The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Mac and 19, and joining us is Fishing Rick. How are you, buddy? Yeah, yeah, back to the proper name. Good work. <laughs> yes. Mate. How are you? I'm just oh. doing the Porsche, making my tea. Good work. Good work. Mate, how could you have a bad weekend after what happened uh, in the match on Saturday? <coughs> anyway, it could be a bad weekend as if you couldn't watch the game twice. True. That's true. I mean, how good was it? It was pretty bloody good. Even without Burton and Dersma. I know. It was a ripper. Yeah. And Every, everything we hoped for. And we both did predict it on Thursday night. Mm. Even you were on the West Coast anti-bandwagon. Yep. So, you know, you weren't all melancholy and picking against Port. Mm-hmm. No. So I was proud of you. Thanks, mate. I feel like I had a big, uh, big part in this win. Mm. I think you did. Yeah. You've broken the hoodoo. You don't have to back against Port for Port Adelaide to win. That's it. Yeah. We'll see what happens this week. Mm. It's exciting, mm. but we'll wait for that one. That's it. When are All we right. playing? Uh, we're playing Brisbane, mate, so it's going to be another ripper. No, when? Oh, when? Uh, I don't know. I think it's Sunday or Saturday night, I think. They definitely wouldn't do it on a Thursday night game, would they? Mm, no. Heaven forbid. <clears throat> Mate, we've got a, uh, a message on the Spreaker chat already from Porsche. who says, Rick, I feel safe about Archie not making 50 games. He looks like a tired old man. <laughs> What's he on? 40. He's on 40. He needs 10 more. I, I thought he did okay. He was okay. He's going to be the best Just 50 okay. game player ever. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Better probably than not. Jason Cripps, even. <laughs> probably not. Well, look, let's get into it and do our love and hate. Uh, one thing we loved, one thing we hated about this week, mate. Uh, let's start with the loves. What's your love this mm. week, mate? What's your love? My love is the form of um, our captain, Tommy Jonas, mm. who's uh, started the year in, uh, in fantastic fashion, and he's... Uh, Barely been beaten in a contest off season, and I thought he was remarkable again on the weekend. He played on Jack Darling, who was old Australian last year, and uh, Jack Darling was playing his 200th game, and mm. um, he was one of only two players to have 100% time on the on the ground on the weekend. So Jack Darling has, played the whole game, and I kept and kept him to just two kicks and one mark. Has he um, had a goal scored on him this year? Uh, I think he's might have had one. Um, I, I thought he destroyed him, absolutely destroyed him, and he's done it each week so far to start the season. And um, you know he's really taken that sole captaincy this year, and uh, he's in career best form at the moment. Well, I tell you what, he um, he's not the tallest <clears throat> guy, but you know seeing him live post game in the in the change rooms, the guy is a tank. He is built yeah. like a friggin' weapon. Like he, is. he he looks strong as a bloody bull. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, it doesn't matter if they're taller, shorter. Um, he does a great job, and it's great to see him. Uh, you know, after a couple of sort of average seasons, based on his sort of own standards, I'd imagine it's yeah, he's uh, he's a ripping form, and obviously he's loving being sole captain. Yep, 
that Nord man. So what's your love this week? I love SPP. Okay. You know, I don't think he's the best player in the side, but I just love his aggression, his attack on the ball, some of his courageous full-throttle efforts just to get the ball was like Byron Pickett-esque. You yeah. know, just 100% full-throttle, no thought of his body, just wanted to get that ball more than anybody else and he didn't care if someone got in the way and um you know i'm you know the kid had a bit of a rough two years you know through his own choices and and then you know public bashing in the media which was pretty poor from their part um but it's good to see you know he's backed himself in the clubs backed him in and yeah i think he's doing his job week in week out this season what do you reckon look he is he's not getting a lot of the ball but he's having a huge impact um, just with his pressure around the, the packs and, yeah, as you said, like his aggression, you know, he's just going full throttle and <clears throat> his work at um, winning the hard bowl on the weekend was fantastic. There was two or three occasions where he just went in, you know, balls to the wall and beat his opponent to it, beat a pack to it and uh, and was great. Yep, loved it. Are you eating while yep. we're trying to podcast? No. Maybe. A little bit of chocolate. I'm I'm trying to sugar up and cut caffeine up. I'm not feeling great, so I'm trying to uh, load myself up on all that healthy stuff to get me through. There's nothing wrong with a chocolate, is there? Well, press the mute button, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, yum. Hey, um, but yeah, I just think uh, that one on the outer wing, I think in the third quarter, where he just made everyone else look like they were in slow motion. Yeah. And... Uh, and he just, yeah, it was just, yeah. And then even, even the commentators just pointed out that he had more will for the ball um, than anybody else. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know. I've always had a soft spot for SPP, so I think he's coming good. No, he's doing well. James Murray's love this week is Carl Amon. Fair enough. He had a great game. Well, and you'd Por- love that too, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And Porsche's love is Zach Butters, who also had a fantastic game. So Yeah, well, obviously she'd love that one. Lots to love this week. It's the Love Shack, baby. It uh, it was great. Do you have a hate this week? Uh, well, there's always a hate that we can find. Um, there's a couple. If we're going to be big footy-centric, I'm getting pretty bloody tired of our of our supporters banging on about Chad Wingard. He's not there. Mm. Let it go. He's gone. He's done. It doesn't matter. If he was lazy or if the coaches let him down... Whatever. He's gone. Just give it up. I'm sick of reading about it. Yep. I think that's fair enough, too. He's in. He's had a ripper season. He's probably in the old Australian squad if it was named right now. Um, you know, he's in Hawthorne career best form at the moment. So, good on him. Yeah, good on him. Man. I does, mean, it, you know, does it matter to us? Not really anymore. If he's the type of person that, you know, he needs to move or change to prove people wrong or to get the best out of himself... You usually find that that's sort of a short-lived sort of characteristic. It's not something that lasts forever. So, um, you know, I, I thought Chad was pretty poor in the last few seasons with us. Maybe he was a little bit petulant. Maybe he was hard done by. Who knows? But in good luck that he's doing well at Hawthorne. You know, who really cares? I'm sure you know the inside goss, but just don't want to tell us all, Macca. I know nothing, mate. I, I don't believe that. You know everything. You are the man of inside info. 
But if we really want to get picky, like, what's with Carlton friggin' St Kilda being rescheduled? I mean, what a joke to the Thursday night time slot. Seems a bit strange, but uh, it's a strange season, isn't it? So, you know, Carlton. What's what's wrong with putting Port Brisbane? Well, they could, Thursday night. could do that. They could do that. But then we're not going to be able to podcast. So, Well, we just know. have to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm happy with our game being the Saturday night game, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I can see why there's a lot of angst about the uh, Vic-centric nature, as we always complain about. I mean, I refuse to watch Thursday night footy, Friday night footy, because it's always just all Victorian teams these days. So... I just don't support it, you know. And, I mean, isn't there rumours that they're complaining, the Vic, Vic boys are complaining again, that they they might have to leave for an interstate hub, heaven forbid. You know, Victoria keeps escalating with corona, but they don't want to leave. Mm. Well, you know? and that's James Murray's hate on Spreaker Chat, is Victoria. So, look, they need to get their act together, but... Um... Look, I'm sure it'll all work out in the end. So long as they don't cancel the season while we're three games clear on top or something stupid, then <laughs> um, then I'm all right. Well, they probably would because they wouldn't care. True. It, it could happen. Let's face it. Who right? knows? But I thought that was going to be announced today. Big AFL and the open state of the competition. No, don't think it got. Don't think anything got announced, mate. Mm. Not sure. Not too sure. But look, let's move on and talk about the game on the weekend because it was an absolute ripper. Port played West Coast on Saturday for round four and came away with a commanding 48-point victory to go a game clear in top spot on the ladder. Yeah. Great. Final scores were 13-11 to six goals five. Charlie Dixon was the star. Charlie Sixon with six goals. Whilst, uh, Brad Ebert... <laughs> Whilst Brad Ebert in his 250th and Justin Westhoff both kicked two goals. Mate, do you want to give us a, a quick rundown of uh, what happened out there? The day was stormy, my friends. No, it wasn't. It was actually a perfect day. Lovely day. It was a great game. I mean, it was a bit of a, you know, we dominated the start again, but didn't really reflect it on the on the scoreboard. Um, I sort of had to watch the first quarter on replay, I must admit. I was running late, but um, I was listening to a bit on the radio. But we were dom- dominating the inside 50s. The midfielders were doing well, getting their hands on the ball. And, um, yeah, in the end, we, um, you know, with our relentless pressure, it's all, do you feel, it's almost, it's a little bit different in structure, but we've got almost that Richmond 2017 defensive pressure around the ball carrier sort mm-hmm. of mindset. Um, but we're playing a bit of a different, um, game plan. But, uh, in the end, West Coast really wilted in that first quarter. Um, they just couldn't handle the, the forward pressure that we were putting on. And, and uh, yeah, it was exciting. And then I, I liked our – I noticed the commentators pointed out how, you know, we were able to stop their sort of inside chip kick. Um, you know, yeah. So strategically this year, I think we've been far superior to previous seasons, you know, against different opponents and stopping their advantages they've had, had in us in the past, whether it's the Crows and their – little outlet, outlet backward handball, then they run around the pack to the West Coast chipping inwards. Yep. Um, you know, the third quarter was you know, pretty deplorably bad in the, the first half of it. You know, we seemed to be a bit thumbly. I don't know if we were a bit tired, but our midfielders just got no ball. 
Um, you know, but we were able to weather the storm with the defensive pressure. You know, West, back, West Coast came back a little bit, came close, to, close in the game. But, you know, you never really felt like they were dominating momentum. You know, they just they won a couple of clearances out of the centre, um, which was because we weren't getting any ball. But outside of that, you know, the defence was holding up relatively well. Yeah. And uh, our round-to-ground play was OK, except for we were a bit fumbly. I don't know why. We just didn't come out firing in that third quarter. But once they got within a couple of goals, we just went bang and just split the game open. And, yeah. uh, and from there on, it was just, yeah, a Port love fest of let's watch Port Adelaide play football because it was entertaining. Charlie was kicking. Charlie, as he said, was kicking goals and taking great marks, and you know I think he's uh, I think he's even looking better than 2017, to be fair. And um, yeah, and so so far so good for him producing his best output since he's been at Port. And uh, the midfielders were serviceable without um, you know being awe inspiring. Um, you know, cameos from the other tall forwards and all the team player. I mean. Even Kane Farrell did his part <clears throat> replacing Dersma. I mean, it was just a great team performance. It was a very good team performance. And look, yeah, it was... Look, the last, uh, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes was just port porn, really. It was just yeah. uh, it was just party time. And uh, and that was great. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, we were clearly in control of the game for pretty much all of it, except for the first sort of 10 minutes of the third quarter. But as soon as we got momentum back, then we were never headed again, really. Um, yeah. Lots of very, very good players. Pretty much everyone did their job. Um, I thought the the one that really sort of set the scene early was Trent McKenzie again, who uh, took an absolute... You've got a bit of Trent loving this year. Oh, look, what's not to love, mate? He's <laughs> he's had a monster season again. Uh, I thought he, did, he played on Liam Ryan, who you would think is probably not the most sort of suitable matchup for him. Yeah. Um, but I thought he played really well on him. And he took a monster contestant mark down back in the first sort of five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big pack mark. And he thought, Jesus, what a mark. And I thought that really set the scene for us going forward. Yeah. I don't know. Where where's this come from, from Trent? Well, he's just fit and finally got a bit of a chance and an opportunity. And he's, he's grabbed it with both hands. And it's great to see. That's what you want to see from your depth players. And... Uh, yeah, he's absolutely entrenched in the first 18 now, I would think. Did any any doomsday um, expert still complain that we had a tall forward kick four or five goals on us? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't think Cleary had a great game, to be honest. Um, you know, Kennedy probably had the better of him. And he's, hey, he's had Kennedy, a few goals Kennedy kicked on him. Kennedy is a superstar player, though. He is. He's had a few goals kicked on him this year so far, Cleary, but... Uh, you know, he usually sort of starts a little bit slow and works his way into the season. But. Yeah, but uh, I mean, as look, a team, th- as a team defence, though, um, you know, you can't really fault what we're doing. We, we've got clearly the best defence in the AFL at the moment, so and they're all working pretty well together. What's amazing is we kept him to six goals. He kicked four goals, um, yeah. so we were able to nullify the impact of the rest of their forward structure. But yeah. we also nullified that increasing trend. Of uh, opposition scoring by six goals, six points a game. Yeah. So we're safe because otherwise, our defensive score lines coming by the end of the season are going to be horrendous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well said. I think. Um, Come on, Macca. I thought. <laughs> well, twenty-nine, thirty-five, forty-one. 
we were worried about it being 47, and you know, by round yeah. 17, shit, we're going to be over 100 points against. Yeah, by the grand final, we'll be a, another bloody 119 or something. So, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. That's right. Look, our midfield. I thought. Uh, look, West Coast midfield has been terrible this year, as we said in the preview. And look, they played all right. Their midfield. They statistically, they had their best game. You know, they beat us mm. in clearances. They smashed us in hitouts. Uh, they were good in contested possessions, which where they've really struggled. Um, so it was a really good midfield battle. I thought they probably had the better of the midfield battle. But it was. So what uh, happened in that third quarter? Like that was pretty bad by midfield. You know, Ollie Wines yeah. hardly touched it. Rocky touched, didn't touch it. Travis didn't touch it. Was it just yeah. that McNatt was just getting his hands on the ball first and dominating? I don't even think it was that. I think um, some of it was you know license taps just like. Our players just weren't ready for where he was tapping it sometimes. And, yeah, look, our midfield almost, yeah, they, they just had a complete bogey of the third quarter. E- even during our sort of um, our run-on to finish the quarter, they still had minimal impact. And it was really the halfbacks and the forwards that were getting all of the ball. Um, mm. But, look, to, uh, to have a midfield that was maybe slightly beaten on the day and to still win by so much, Double their score. Um, you know, you can't really argue with that. No, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're being hypercritical, right? But, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't have your main midfield go <clears throat> nearly a quarter without touching the ball against, you know, another top-of-the-table team like Brisbane. I'd hate to see what, you know, if Brisbane's playing well, if we did that, you know, it could be game-damaging for us. You know, if you know, we just don't touch it and let Lockie Neal run around like a rampant dog, and um, you know, so we did sort of dodge a little bit of a bullet there. Yeah, uh, Porsche has asked on Spreaker chat: Are you guys concerned about Dixon and McKenzie um, hitting peak form at a ground they played and trained at for years? No. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that, and I guess it's a fair point. Though McKenzie's best game was probably in the showdown, which was here. Um, Dixon had a really good preseason. He looks fitter than he's ever been, and McKenzie as well looks um, looks ready to play. So I don't know if it's yeah, maybe it might have a well, little bit to do I, with. I it. don't maybe I don't not. Understand I'm not question sure. what they don't think they she doesn't think they play as well if it was at Adelaide Oval. Uh, maybe I don't know. I think uh, or maybe they they feel comfortable up there. Mm. Well, who knows? I mean. We've been not that great at Adelaide Oval in recent years, so mm. if we need to keep keep playing away to win, well, go for it. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I wonder also, like, was the uh, the acclimatisation an extra week in the hot weather? Did that maybe affect the midfield more so this week as well? Mm, maybe. I guess we'll see yeah. how we go against Brisbane, whose midfield's in pretty good form. So. Um, that'll be a, a really good test to see where we're at uh, as a the rucks, group. The rucks aren't as fit and firing though, are they? Nick Nat's a great player. Yeah. Nick Nat's a great player, and you know he's taller and he's got a big, big leap and all that sort of stuff. Strong. I thought Lysett held his own in that battle um, around the uh, ground. I thought the center yeah. he was a bit average, but around the ground, I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Charlie Dixon because he had. Uh, one of his best ever games. Um, six goals. He had seven marks, six contested marks, five marks inside 50. Uh, he was just clunking them from everywhere. And uh, 
and was great in front of the sticks. He had a day out. Yeah, it was amazing. And I guess, I don't know what was more nauseating, is, you know, the commentators or in general, or Jared Healy actually flipping and having a bit of a love fest over Port and Charlie Dixon. I didn't know what was going on. It was like, mm. was this like some bizarro world? Did he get a new uh, script that he had to be a bit more supportive <laughs> or something? But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, he's running well, right? I mean, like like Jared pointed out, he's almost playing like, a, you know, the, the the archetypal centre-half forward from 20 years ago, but he was just – he's running free. I just wonder if the three tall forwards are helping him, you know? Oh, no doubt. It's a... I think it's helping all of them um, because it's taking pressure off all of them and it's giving them a chance to run at the bowl – I think our deliveries inside 50 is a, is a hell of a lot better than what it has been in the last sort of three or four years. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that Dixon's coming off his first ever preseason, he's looking fit. As we saw in that photo with Chad Corns, you know, he's absolutely ripped at the moment. Um, and he just looks ready to, to prove a point, which is, uh, which is yes. great. Um, yes. Because he really needed to this year. And he killed, uh, killed Hutchinson. Killed who? What's his name? Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Michael. Michael. Know, what's his name? Hutching? Hutching? The ball guy that head-butted Buddy Butters. Schofield? Oh, yeah. Him. Hutchinson. Him too. I told you, I'm not feeling great, man. you got to go with me. you got to understand why, why, I, why I had a bit of a blank look on my face then, because I'm like, who the fuck's that? Don't they have a Hutchinson or a Hutchinson in their side? They have a Hutchings who's a, a midfielder. Yeah, well, there you go. I was close. Close. I was got him like mixed up. Fairly but he close. killed Sco. He's killed Schofield. Yeah, career ended for Schofield. Just about. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was a lady, and that that McGovern uh, late out was uh, was very very handy indeed, as we spoke. Well, about here's a big out. call. I still reckon we would have beaten them even without, even oh, if I they had. I McGovern. still think. Yeah, I still think we would have won. Would Charlie have kicked six? Probably no. He might have kicked four. Um. But yeah, he, he destroyed Schofield, and that, that might be Schofield's last game because he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else. And obviously, Zach Butters, who had a very, very good game once again, um, got in his ear after one of Charlie's goals and copped a bit of a headbutt, <laughs> which uh, which you love to see. <laughs> yeah, well, he's just that pesky character, isn't he? He is a pest. If he played for anyone else, you'd absolutely hate him, I reckon. So if you if we like likening players to former Port Adelaide stars, who would you who would you say that Butters is uh, imaging of yesteryear at this point in time? I don't know. To be honest, I, I'm not really sure. Maybe Wayne Marnie, like a young Wayne Marnie. He wasn't that pesty though, was he, Wayne Marnie? Oh, he was it in his first few years. He was a bit of a pest, and then he then he yeah. put on a heap of weight and just became a brute. Which I don't think Butters will do, obviously, but um, that's probably the closest. Maybe like a Timmy Ginever. He's got that sort of attitude about him, I reckon. Setry? Sets, yeah. Setry's a good one. That's a good call. Yeah? Yeah. Because Setry had a bit of mongrel and didn't mind getting in your face sort of type of character. Yep. Yeah? Yeah, that's a good call. I like that one. But back to Dixon, yeah. He's just running around great. He's looking fit. He's looking strong. But his hands, it's like uh, his hands are just strong as a vice this year. You know, the last few years, he's been a little bit clunky, right? You know, almost a bit Matthew Lobey, like put the hands up and you've got the cement cement uh, 
cement bricks there. And uh, yeah. but this year, yeah, he is looking strong, and confidence is an amazing thing, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. Um, and as you said, um, I think they're all complementing each other really well at the moment. You know, Dixon took seven marks. Uh, Marshall took five. Westhoff took eight. Um, they kicked what uh, nine between them. Um, you know, the key forwards are just doing their job at the moment. I think they're all complementing each other pretty well because Marshall's having a huge impact on his own. Westhoff's running around like he was, you know, back around 2013-14. He's having a huge impact himself. Um, it's, I don't know how to feel at the moment because I'm so used to seeing us kicking on the head of bloody Sam Gray and Jake Need. Oh, I don't know how to feel watching us uh, with three dominant key forwards. Like, uh, I, feel I feel like a strange. Yeah, I feel like Jack Cale has taken Hinkley into a, a little room at Alberton in the off season and basically said, "Enough's enough, young man. <laughs> yeah. You've got to do this. Listen to me." <laughs> but um, I was sort of thinking too when Marshall took that big hanger. Yeah. Uh, in the third, I think it was the third quarter uh, above. Dicko and the other defenders and I was just wondering like outside of his own self-confidence and the other tall forwards has maybe um, I'll probably get this name wrong too Mitch George Artis hmm. sort of given him some inspiration because I, I never recall him leaping for the ball like he has this year and I'm just wondering you know him seeing Mitch just come in this young fella and just attack and just go for every single mark you know, maybe it's given him a bit of confidence just to go for it himself and and just see what happens. But you know, his hanger in the in the third quarter in the goal square there was I thought it was a great great sign. Oh, it was a huge mark. It was great. I was too busy yelling at that point to uh, <laughs> to think about anything else. It was wonderful. One of the one of the highlights of the game. Yeah. Um, Carl Amon had a really good game. I thought that was one of his best games. Uh, in a long time, I just thought he used the ball exceptionally well, kicked a great goal in the third quarter. Um, you know, he's just attacking the ball so well at the moment as well. And he's, you know, he's a one-touch player, um, rarely makes a mistake. You know, his development over the last two years has been uh, amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've always been a Carl Amon fan, though. Uh, I remember two, three years ago, you were sort of saying when he plays, we win, and when he plays well, we. But uh, he doesn't seem to be as intimidated by the more physical aspect of the game now. And you know, again, he's hit that that game's played number, and he knows where to put himself in the right position. And I yeah. thought our winging, our winger structure, structure this year, and again on against West Coast has been fantastic. Whether it's been Ebert or or Dersma or or Amon, you know, we're really getting good drive from that those wingman positions this year, getting in the right spot and then helping give that drive off the half back flank, um, you know, and even the the half back flankers are running in numbers. And I hate to say it, but you know, it almost has a bit of that 2007 Geelongish vibe to the way they're playing at the moment. Mm. But yeah, I don't want to. You know what I mean? I don't want to say we're that team, but we're just playing. You know, we're just playing with that sort of confidence and flair, and we're just getting a lot of drive off the halfback flank. Structurally, we're setting up well. You know, from you know when we don't have the ball, when we do have the ball, and it's just like at the moment the opposition teams don't have have the answers. And I think 
you know, if we are sort of getting to that sort of confidence level of being a top-performing side, well, I guess Saturday night against Brisbane will be the true answer if that's actually the case or not. Yeah. Look, our half-back line, I've been, you know, blowing smoke up their arse all, all year because they've had a fantastic start to the season. But Hamish Harlett again was, you know, if it wasn't for Charlie Dixon, he might have been best on ground. Best game um, this year. Yeah, he was fantastic. Houston, clearly his best game this year, going back there. Uh, as we said, Jonas, you know, absolutely destroyed Darling. Uh, ben Jones was smooth as ever. Even Riley Bonner was getting involved and, you know, doing a, doing some nice hard stuff and using the ball smartly. Um, you know, they're just, they're just all up and about at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I loved... Uh... Hamish run and carry goals from outside 50. You know, that's when we're playing well, when he's got that ability to be able to do that. I mean, just think, if we could get in the one game, Hamish does his run and carry and kicks from 55 goal, and then we get a Trent McKenzie do it on the other side. I mean, that would just be football orgasm stuff, really, wouldn't it? It would just be amazing. Just, you know, I mean, but that's the threat that we've got with those sort of players, such big and strong kicks, um, it really sort of helps break these clustered zones that sometimes the opposition teams like to do in that 60-metre sphere because they have to pull themselves that zone apart a little bit more just to be safe against that sort of penetrating disposal. Yeah, Brad Ebert, his 250th game, I thought he had an absolute ripper. Once again, his form this season is just something else. Yeah, he had 16 touches, kicked two goals as well. Uh, tackled like a madman, like we expect. Five inside 50s. He did it all. He had an absolute monster uh, game in his 250th. He just really shows, too, that it, he just needed extra time to recover, didn't he? And I think hindsight here shows, like, if we had a normal season... Um, it almost needed Brad to maybe sit out the first couple of months just to let his body recover and and get the confidence up because yeah he's he's a he's a new player with the um, you know no helmet on just playing how Brad Ebert can play that's why I made the call those years ago that he was is the equal of Dangerfield because he could he does have the potential mm-hmm. but obviously he hasn't for his career but he is a great serviceable player and yeah hopefully for him he can. Maybe go on to 300 if he can continue that form. Yeah. My old man wanted to know um, what we traded for him and whether we won that trade with West Coast all those years ago. And We, oh. traded, we traded him for 28 and 49, and we got 45 back as well. So it was Brad Ebert and Brendan Archie for Fraser McInnes and a pick that got traded to the Western Bulldogs. So I, I think it's know. pretty clear we won that trade. Very, very. We easy. won that trade. Well, look, Archie's still playing. He's a superstar too. Mm. Yes. Porsche. <laughs> Super star. Anything else you want to add for uh, for this weekend's gamer? Uh well, normally I like to rattle on, but I'm feeling pretty crap out. So not really. Look, I just think yeah. we're doing we're doing great. And hey, hats off to. Ken Hinckley and all the coaches. I mean, yeah, I mean, if Ken Hinckley's going to play a structure and a style like this, well, you know, he's a coach that can probably hang around. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's just a shame it's taken him such a long time to realise 
that we needed the tall forwards. Yes. I mean, what's your take? Is it is it the new coaches that have come in? Is it that Ken Hinckley's had an epiphany? Is it that Ken Hinckley's just now got the cattle to believe that they can uh, play? And that's why he plays them, whereas he hadn't didn't have the belief with other players in previous years. I think that's probably part of it. I think, you know, they've, they've all played with each other a bit now um, under these coaches. I think uh, the way we're moving the ball through the midfield's impressive. I think the, the back line's solid as a rock. Uh, you know, we've got three tall targets to kick to. We've got smalls that are dangerous. We've got hard runners um, in guys like Ebert that are doing their job, Pow Pepper as well. I think it's just all falling into place at this point, this early point in the season. Um, so, yeah, obviously, fingers crossed it continues. I'm sure Where's it, where a, would it come unstuck for us, Maka? I'm sure it's going to come unstuck at some point. Yeah, but where, where? What's what's going to cause us to come unstuck? Is it going to be the defence? Is it going to be the forwards? Is it going to be the midfield? I think it's probably going to be the midfield. I think it might be, you know, if we lose Dixon for a few games or an extended period, that might cause an issue. Um, I don't know. The the good thing is that we don't really have anybody small to come in and sort of ruin this three-toll prong attack that we've got at the moment. Whereas in previous years, we've seen guys like Jake Need come in for John Butcher and, you know, all that sort of stuff happen. We're, but I've... I've I know it's going to be very unpopular, but I feel like Ken's wanted to play three key forwards uh, for a long time, but he f- might have felt that he didn't have the right cattle to do so. Obviously, in some years, we got, you know, we were unlucky with Dixon breaking his leg and missing most of a season. We were unlucky with Ryder missing a whole season with the, the drug drama with Essendon. Um, you know, he obviously felt that guys like Butcher and Eddie weren't up to it, um, which was probably right. Um, so I don't know. Uh, where, where's it going to be unstuck? Hopefully nowhere, mate. Hopefully nowhere. Yes. Undefeated so when's season, Por- that's when's what I Por- want to see. When's Porsche back? When's Porsche back? I don't know, mate. Hopefully uh, hopefully soon we want to hear from Porsche. That'd be great. I thought I thought she was going to come back on Thursday nights. Hope so. I hope so. That'd be good. Because I, I know the masses are... Um... Chanting her name, they they want Porsche back. So, yeah. <laughs> and yes. we'd like a Thursday night off of alternating every two weeks. <laughs> Let's go on to some questions from Big Footy. We've got a few. Yes. First one's from Gremio Power, which is, uh, in our opinion, what happened in that short period in the third quarter where it looked like West Coast might make it a close game, and what did Port do to uh, to counter it? Well, we weren't winning the ball and. Then we started winning the ball, and Hutchinson decided to headbutt someone and be an idiot. Yeah, look, I felt like we got pretty unlucky at that start of the first, start of the third quarter. I mean, um, I think. Well, I mean, it was well, our, our own way, doing. Right? It was our own doing anyway. Like Ebert dropped a chest mark on the wing, which led to Ryan kicking the first goal, and then straight from the bounce. Um, Cleary attacked a ball which bounced off his chest 20 metres into the hands of a West Coast player, and then they kicked a goal. Um, but I felt like after that, I felt like we got back a little bit of control. We just mm. weren't able to get it forward because our midfield was struggling. Um, but as soon as we... I think it was Dixon that might have kicked the first goal, and then 
then obviously the headbutt happened, and as soon as that happened, we just took control of the game again, and yeah. we're never really. We were sloppy. And it, look, it went from in in the space of about three minutes, it went from eleven point margin, and thinking, oh, if they get one more, it might be game on here. So suddenly it's out to thirty again, and you think, oh, well, you know, game over. Correct. Yep. What did we do to counter it? Oh, I think our midfield just started winning the ball a little bit more. Um, but it was really that run and drive from the half-back line which really got us back into that quarter. As I said, it was almost like uh, we bypassed the midfield and went straight from half-back to the forward line. And guys like Ebert, Marshall, Dixon, they were marking everything. So mm. that was great. Uh, Andres asked, does Burton come back in if fit? And if so, who for? Well, Burton's a great player, and it's not like you got um, reserves. So I would assume Burton would come back in. I guess would it be uh, Burton in, Farrell out, maybe? Maybe that, that might sort of give us one too many defenders, though. Unless Burton plays you know, on the wing. You know, you know, Ken likes his uh, half bat flankers. Well, who replaced him in the first place? Dan. Well, Houston Ollie Wines came in for him. Yeah, and Dan Houston went back. Yeah. So maybe maybe yeah. Trent McKenzie might get unlucky and uh and we might bring in Burton for McKenzie. Oh, mate, you would be roofed. I mean Bonner would probably be the other one that would be in the gun. Well, they're all performing well, so man, mm. glad it's not me. I mean I don't know, I'd like maybe I'd give Burton one more week just to make sure he's hundred percent over his hamstring, but he's a great player and yeah, I like him yeah, in the side, no but yeah, there's no rush, and yeah, I don't think I wouldn't say he's been in sensational form this year. I think he's been all right. Um, yeah, yeah. I just didn't say he was sensational. He's not like he's not sticking out like a Charlie Dixon or a Hamish Hartlett or a Tom Jonas. You know, he's but he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. Andres also asked, uh, we touched on this at the start of the podcast, uh, is the wider football world finally realising what most Port fans have known for a long time, that this is still an extended VFL and not a true national competition? Well, I mean, I'm sick of banging on about it. I've I've stopped talking about it because I just talk about it all the time. Mm. I, I can't believe that it's taken this long for people to sort of wake up. Like, I know it can't happen, but, you know, really it needs, we either need an an equal number of non-Victorian sides to Victorian sides to at least try and stack the numbers. But, you know, the only way to do it is to cripple them by almost having a Super League, you know, which I think the AFL structured that you can't do that. But, you know, it's just, it's nauseating and I'm just sick of it. And that's why I really only watch Port Adelaide games now, to be honest, because I just can't be asked supporting all the other games because I'm just tired of it yeah I think that's probably fair um, I don't know whether I'm happy compromise. I'm happy for us to play anywhere at any time I just don't want us to use us having to go to Victoria or anything as some sort of excuse if we run into poor form because I don't think it's going to have anything to do with it no I mean, I'm not saying form I just think like if it is just so everything's so biased towards the Victorian sides, you know, and it, it's ever been since we had that run of non-Victorian sides winning grand finals and, and dominating the final series to the point where, you know, they the, the Victorian teams had the review, so to speak, in italic brackets 
back in um, 2007 or pre-2007 to assess what, you know, what, the non-Victorian sides were doing and what was their advantage. And then, heaven forbid, after that review, you know, it's been a, a pretty much Victorian-dominated success with the uh, an odd win from Sydney and West Coast. Yeah. You know? So what a coincidence. So, yeah. um, you know, and, yeah, and then you just look at this farce with, unfortunately for Victorians, the corona expanding and... The Victorian teams reluctant to leave their home state, and the the AFL competition not wanting to support it either. I mean, I just don't get why it's not logical just to have the three hubs in WA, SA, and Queensland, and and just run the the game out of those hubs for a couple of months to see what happens. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next question is from Glitch, which is: Was this Dixon's best ever game in Port Colours? Oh. I'd have to I say probably yes. He's, he's had some yeah. very good games dating back, you know, sort of 2016, 17. He had some really good games. Um, I, I would say this one was his most dominant, just the way that he was taking all those contested marks and, and kicking goals. I, I, think, think I think it was his two, most dominant. I think the 2017 final, he was more dominant. But he wasn't as He didn't, didn't finish it off. Yeah, he kicked three goals six. six. Yeah, yeah. So he, I think he was more dominant, but he didn't influence the game. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good call. I like that one. I like that. Uh, Next question is from the great username of win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, which is uh, Robbie has been playing well enough, but not at his best. Can we expect a Boke esque resurgence, or has the grey train left the station? He's a different player to Boak. He's yeah. not as fast. He's not as fit. Um, you know, he, he could be more like a Gary Ablett Jr. maybe, you know, just influence the game here and there because he's got great skill and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I don't know if he I don't know if he can have the resurgence of a Boak. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one. Uh, you know, Boak's obviously a fitness freak and... Uh, you know, that's where he gets his lift from. Whereas Robbie's not really like that. He's more of a... He uses his natural sort of footy smarts to win the ball and, you know, to, to win clearances and kick great goals and that sort of thing. And, all right, he's definitely slowed down. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Can he have a resurgence through the midfield? I don't know. Every time he goes in there, he still wins clearances. Um, I don't know. I feel like we're seeing the end of Robbie Gray. And that's fair enough. You know, mm-hmm. he's 31. You know. Well, didn't they sign him on for next year as well, though? Yeah. I would I would assume that'll be his last, to be honest. Oh, I thought it was a bit... I don't mind supporting him because he's been a great club player. Um, but I don't understand why we did that so early. I, um, I would have probably liked to have seen how this season played out first mm. um, before offering him that contract. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Look, he's still, I don't know. He's still having an impact, in my opinion. I think he's still having an impact. You know, he's at twenty-five score involvements for the year. He's in the top ten in score involvement. So he's, um, yeah, he may not be kicking bags of goals or getting a lot of the ball, but every time he gets it, he's having an impact. So mm. that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, correct. 
And the last question we've got is from Dusty Rap, which is, is Hamish Harlett still a top 10 pick in a 2008 redraft? Hmm. Based on his form, I'd probably say maybe. Yes? I think, yeah, maybe. I don't know. How's, how's the similarities with Rich and Hartler, though, with their careers? <laughs> yeah, quite similar. It's so similar. similar. Their injuries, adversities, their lull in form, probably haven't been as dominant as what they could be, played similar positions. I mean, there's probably 10 players that I would pick ahead of Hamish Hartlett in a redraft, if we were doing one, I would say. Like you look at still mm. side bottoms being a star, all Australian, all Australian Premiership player. Dan Hanbury, all multiple all Australian. Uh, Jack Redden's been very good. Luke Bruce, multiple all Australian. Uh, Luke Shuey's been very very good. Rory Sloan's an all Australian. Tom Rockliffe's an all Australian. Michael Hurley's an all Australian. Dane Beam's been an absolute star. Um, Nick Natanui is obviously up there as well. Mm. So I don't know if that's ten names, but. He he would fit in that sort of ten to fifteen mark, I would think. Yep. I don't think Makes Hartlett. Sense. You know, we've we've been highly critical of Hartlett on this podcast over the journey. I think, but you know, I think we've been fair in that. You know, he probably hasn't. There's been times where he definitely hasn't looked like he's playing up to his potential at all. Um, yeah. You know, his last sort of season and a half has been a lot better. I would think. Well, I'd give him, his, as a career, I would give him 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's probably spot on. I thought his 2014 was excellent. Um, you know, probably half of 15 was really, really good as well. Then I thought he had a few pretty poor seasons um, and didn't really take to playing across half-back all that well in his first year there. But, look, at the moment, he, he would definitely be in the All-Australian team at this point, I would think. So, as a club man, he'd be a 10 out of 10. Oh, right? yeah. Obviously but, very popular. Fans love him. Players love him. Coaches love him. Tattooist loves him. Tattooist definitely loves him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's all the questions i got, buddy. That's it. i got nothing else. That is it. Well, we'll uh, reconvene on Thursday night. Yes. The, uh, the Brisbane preview. The preview. Oh, while we're at it, uh, around the grounds, mate. Did you watch any other footy this weekend? Uh, I thought I answered that during the podcast. Did you? Oh, that you yeah. didn't? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you just said that you didn't watch any Victorian teams play. but No, well, I saw a little bit of the Crows and um, Gold Coast, which made me chuckle. Um, mm. Saw a little bit of Brisbane's game. Yeah, Brisbane played the Crows. Just... Yeah. Hey? Brisbane played the Crows. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, Brisbane and yeah. Crows. Um, yeah, so I saw a bit of that game and that made me chuckle how they just put the... I mean, the Crows had that little resurgence and then Brisbane just stamped them. Charlie Cameron took an awesome mark. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big Charlie Cameron fan, actually, even though I sort of hate him from the perspective of what he's did, done to Dan, you know, seasons gone by couple mm. of times, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's a no, great he's player. He's turned into a great player, for sure. And I was quite surprised at what Brisbane threw out <laughs> for Charlie, pick-wise, to get him. But, you know, I think he's been worth it, right? He's uh, 
Great no player. Look, I think at the time, I think a lot of people across the AFL landscape were thinking, "Well, Jesus, that's uh, that's way too much." But you know, you can't you can't falter his form. You know, he was old Australian last year. He's definitely the best small forward in the game at the moment. So, um, you know, he's lightning. He kicks great goals. He's super quick. Takes hangers. You know, he's great to watch. Absolutely. I thought it was interesting that this is the first time in AFL history that um, we saw margins of one, two, three, and four points in the same round. I thought that was a nice little stat. Um, I thought the GWS-Collingwood game was really good. I thought the uh, Gold Coast-Frio game was quite quite a good watch as well. Is it the year of shocking haircuts? It is definitely the year of shocking haircuts, yeah. Tom Cleary's haircut is a disgrace. Tom Cleary... Darcy Bird jones it's filthy. <laughs> Tom Cleary looks like he was in the middle of shaving his head and the power went off. <laughs> and all he had was an electric razor. That was it. It's very Port Adelaide 1980s, though. It is, yeah. It is. But, filthy. yeah. Love it. All right, mate. Until next time. Adios. Power. power. Ports.